Swati Mohan. I'm a guidance and control engineer at NASA JPL, and I'm so excited to talk to you about how we do planetary exploration. This is the first episode of the Dr. Swati Mohan series. Dr. Mohan was born in Bangalore, India, and immigrated to the U.S. when she was one years old. She became interested in space space travel upon seeing Star Trek at the age of nine. She originally planned to be a pediatrician, but at the age of 16 took a physics class. Uh Uh-oh, always dangerous. And decided to study engineering as a way to pursue her career in space exploration. She studied mechanical engineering and aerospace engineering at, at Cornell before completing her master's and PhD at MIT. Uh, Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. You know, t- tell me more. Uh, when you were growing up, were you into science? I was. I don't necessarily think I thought much about it when I was young, but I definitely loved watching science fiction shows. I loved... Uh, my parents tell me I was very mechanically oriented. One of their earliest memories of me is taking a spoon and trying to unscrew some of the screws and like backs of chairs and and dressers and things like that. So wow. I always thought I was very mechanically oriented. I remember having fun summer camps where we'd, you know, make slime or make soap or things explode or, you know, CAD drawings of 3D printed things. It was always the fun aspects. You know, I took wood shop as one of my electives and wow. At seventh grade. So it was there was a theme going through there, though I never, I think, put it all together when I was younger. Nice, yeah. I remember wood shop, and uh, there was one girl in our in our wood shop class, and she was the cool, <laughs> the cool person. And uh, yeah, we always were impressed by her. That was me, the one girl in the wood shop class. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you go to school at when you were at wood shop? I grew up in Northern Virginia, oh. uh, in Alexandria, Virginia, right outside DC. And a school called Hayfield Secondary School is a seventh through twelfth grade school oh. in Alexandria. Wow! Did your parents ever get cross with you for taking things apart? No, they were actually really supportive, uh, especially of anything you know, education based or science and, and technology. I think the first toy that they bought me was one of these like Fisher Price tool sets where you had the plastic things where you could pretend to bang the nails and, and do the screwdriver. So they gave me that the outlet so that I wouldn't take apart the real stuff in the house. <laughs> Apparently people get grouchy when you take apart some of the real stuff, but uh, I, don't, yeah. I wouldn't know that through experience. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so now when you entered this field, you, uh, you took a physics class and uh, decided to study engineering. What challenges do you, did you face? So when I took my first physics class, I was still in high school, and it really resonated with me, but I had kind of told myself and planned to go into the field of medicine ever since I was little. So making that mental switch from 
what I had thought was my career plan to this new new side, new plan was a, a huge leap for me, just uh, not in terms of like technical ability, but the mind shift of, okay, now you're on this new path. What do you want to do? How should you pursue it? What's the next step of thing? How did you get on the path of, uh, uh, of being a, a medical doctor? Was that a, um, was that come from you or was that kind of influenced on you? Or how did that get started that way? <laughs> I think when I was little, I was at some party and someone had asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And at that age, I was probably like six or seven. You don't really have much experience, right? I, I think I had just gone to the doctor and came back and, you know, I, I had an aunt that was a doctor. I was like, oh, that's, that's something. I could do that. And it, it was just because I had that exposure to someone who was that. So I think I said it, not really knowing what it was. And I got a very, you know, favorable reaction from some people like, Oh, that's, that's good. So it, it reinforced this belief, like that was a good thing to do. That was the right thing. Cause you know, people responded in such a positive manner when I said that. So it became ingrained that that should be the path you know, without, at, at that point is based on the limited understanding of what job prospects you had when you're, you know, five or six years old, not really taking into account what, what I was good at or what I might want to do or, or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a, mm, there was a certain point in my life, I guess this was post-college, uh, first job. I, I realized that some of my goals, like, like Mike, I was pretty free willed most of the time, but there were still some things I realized, Oh, I just want that because my parents kept telling me over and over again, you know, when, when you get married and you have kids, these, you know, she, they were like planning out my life, if you will, uh, not consciously, but subconsciously by yep. repeating things to me. Now, did you face challenges switching to engineering? Were there, were there things to overcome or was it pretty much just, you know, go to college, straight path, no one discouraging you? That's a nuanced question. I mean, I I think part of the reason I switched to engineering was I did a lot of soul searching about what I was good at. It actually came to a head in, in high school because they happened to put AP biology at the same time as AP physics. So I had to make a choice oh. very early because I couldn't do both at once. Um, so then I, in trying to make that choice, I was evaluating like, which one do I like more? What's easier? You know, what am I naturally better at? And in trying to answer these questions for myself, I realized that a lot of the skills that made physics easier for me, uh, kind of lent my brain more towards engineering uh, and the ability to think tactically or to extrapolate from um, a very limited number of equations to to prove out that behavior I I got the fundamental concepts much easier in terms of how motion works and things like that on the biology side some of the basic building blocks like the memorization for different mechanisms or pathways, uh, the dissection, like those, those were actually very challenging for me. Like they didn't come naturally. They took a lot of 
effort. So in some sense, I would say in doing the switch to engineering, I think those type of challenges were a little bit easier because I feared already to a field that I was naturally inclined to. Not to say college was easy, right? There's a, college is always challenging, and especially going from maybe somewhat sheltered high school without so much competition to, to college and realize the amount of information you have to, to take in to be able to understand it from very different teaching styles, from different professors, required a lot of uh, due diligence and self-study and being able to to try to figure out what you don't know and then to go find the answer, whether through office hours or teachers or peers or the book itself. So that process was was challenging. Now, was working at NASA an idea you had for a long time or did getting into this job just sort of happen? No, I did have an idea of working at NASA for a long time. I mean, when I made that switch into engineering, I I had the specific thought of, well, I've always been interested in space, even from when I was a, a young child. I thought it was a hobby, but if I'm going to engineering, I might as well try to do something with space. And to me, space meant NASA. And trying to do something with space me meant trying to find a, a path at NASA. I didn't necessarily know where in NASA or what type of path, but I definitely had had NASA in mind. I'm curious, how much Star Trek did you watch at the age of nine? At, at the age of nine, I don't remember exactly, you know, when I started watching Star Trek. I remember I was young, and I remember very clearly what episode of The Next Generation it was. Uh, and from that point, I was hooked. So I, I probably watched every every week, you know, throughout the next generation, and then from that to Voyager, all throughout high school, all the movies that came out for the next generation during that time, all the Star Wars movies, they did done the re-releases at that point. I was pretty heavily into Star Trek. I never, you know, dressed up or went to Comic-Con, but... Nothing so shocking, eh? No. I did read the books, you know, there's a lot of, you know, Star Trek fandom books and Star Wars fandom books, you know. Wow, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious now. Who's your favorite Star Trek uh, character? Oh, that's that's so much like picking a favorite child. I don't know yeah, that, that I could pick just one. I. Mm. Well, I'm guessing at least Next Generation is your favorite franchise. Is that true? Yes, I do. Next Generation and Voyager are my favorite two franchises. Uh-huh. Those are the ones that I grew up watching the most. It's the 22nd century, and although there's no faster-than-light drive, governments and religious organizations fund voyages by giant ships that spend multiple generations in voyage to Earth-like exoplanets. Young Arcady feels blessed to be born aboard the ship when he did because the ship will soon reach its destination and it will happen during his lifetime. But he's heartbroken that instead of being trained as a pilot, he is stuck training to be a farmer because those skills are more important for creating their civilization and completing the abandonment of Earth and the troubles they left behind. But once their ship makes planetfall, 
the strife left behind a millennia ago resurfaces, starting with the murder of his sister. After the mysterious disappearance of other generation ships, Arcady now, an officer of the Space Force, suspects that someone close to him is killing his people. This murder investigation, Space Opera, is a novelette by Lancer Kind, and it's called Memories, Victims. It is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble's Nook. Sci-Fi Thoughts has collected a bunch of show notes. You will find videos of Dr. Swati Mohan talking about her work with some of the past NASA missions. There's also a video of her and her team talking to the President of the United States. And she was on the Kelly Clarkson show. And there's a few others in there too. So where are the show notes? The show notes are right there in your podcast player. If you don't use a podcast player, go back to the webpage where you downloaded this MP3. Next episode, more Dr. Swati Mohan. Well, so the operations timeline is usually driven by orbital mechanics. You know, the planets are where the planets are. Uh, and space is really big. <laughs> Based on the propulsion technology we have, you know, getting out to places like Saturn or Uranus, it's very, very far away. So it takes time to get there. The time it takes on the ground for development cycles, you know, that's driven by myriad factors. 